episode 64, Three Traps That Are Blocking Your Happiness. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. The American Psychological Association did this study in 2017 that said, as a society, we are experiencing the highest levels of stress ever. Why is that? Well, the answers that they point to shouldn't be too surprising when I tell you, number one, they said politics. And I know that this is not just true here in the United States. Our friends in the UK dealing with all the Brexit stuff and so much political uprising and upheaval in countries all over the world. So there is no doubt politics is a factor contributing to stress. Number two, there's also a lot of uncertainty just about the future of the world right now that causes tension for people. And number three, the speed of change just from a technology standpoint the threat of ai all these things are really weighing heavy on us no matter where you live in the world and i believe all that to be true i've experienced some of it myself i watch the news like anybody else it's why i watch way less news than i did a few years ago but part of my job as a coach is making sure that you are taking responsibility to change your life and that your happiness and your joy is not dependent on outside forces outside of yourself because if you're being completely honest, you would admit there are some ways you're creating your own stress in your life. And that's what I want to get into today because I found an article in the Harvard Business Review that just crystallized so many of the patterns that I've seen in coaching people now across 14 countries. You know, I believe it doesn't matter where you live in the world, what your socioeconomic background is, your gender, your race. There are just these elements that are almost part of the human condition that keep us stuck and keep us from truly creating a life amplified. So I'm going to share those three happiness traps with you today, and I'm going to give you my three best strategies to help you move beyond it, take control of your life, and create a career and a life you love. Before we get into that, though, I want to shout out our listener of the week. That is Christy Marie Harwell. She's a member of the Life Amplified Power Tribe on Facebook. She left a message on April 21st saying, your podcasts are my saving grace right now. I have two bachelor's degrees and two separate 10-year careers spent chasing the next job, promotion, and title. I finally have the courage and determination to stop the soul-sucking cycle and reinvent myself at age 40. Girl, Christy Marie, I'm so proud of you. That makes me smile. She says, I quit grad school and I'm starting to do things that make me happy. Thank you. Well, it is always my deepest honor and privilege to give you this podcast every week, Christy Marie. I'm glad that it is serving you, and I thank you so much for listening and sharing this with your friends. Hey, if the content that I'm sharing with you each week is making a difference in your life, I just want to shout you out and thank you for listening. There are three ways that you can be our listener of the week. Uh, You can be like Christy Marie, and you can join our private Facebook group. We have a link for that in the show notes. I'm always up in there doing 
videos, just sharing some bonus content that you don't get here on the shows each week. Number two, you can screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Be sure to leave a little note in there. Leave a caption. Let me know what your biggest aha moment was. Or number three, you can leave those five-star ratings and reviews up on Apple Podcast. You know, my goal here is to reach 100 million people and help them amplify their life. And every time you leave a rating and review, it does help with the algorithm and it'll get this show in front of more people so we can inspire them and build our community as well. Can't do it alone. I would love to have your help and I would love to shout you out and just thank you for making this show part of your weekly routine. Thank you for spending 30 minutes with me and sharing this with your friends. So let's dig into it. The article that I found was by Annie McKee and the Harvard Business Review. And for me, it just sort of distilled down, I think, the biggest contributing factors that I see when I'm coaching clients that keep people stuck. And quite honestly, all these happiness traps that I'm sharing with you today are things that I personally dealt with and that I've had to overcome in my life. So I'll share a little bit about this with you, uh, my experience with it, and hope that it awakens you just to some patterns that are keeping you stuck and maybe some subconscious ways that you're keeping yourself from living as full of a life as you want to. So the first happiness trap we want to discuss today is the ambition trap. Somebody out there is thinking, Dan, what is wrong with being ambitious? Shouldn't we be out there conquering the world? Absolutely. But ambition is something that we get confused a lot. And I want to take you back to the Latin roots of ambition, which is a going around to solicit votes. And by extension, it's a striving for honor, recognition, and preferment. So really, when we're talking about ambition, it's about achievement, but not for achievement's sake. It's really about distinguishing ourselves from other people and building a bigger sense of significance. As somebody who is really a recovering ambition addict in my life, one of the things that I've noticed, and I see this with other people, is we confuse ambition with aspiration. Aspiration is really just about having a particular goal, something to strive for. Ambition, on the other hand, is more of a character trait. It's part of our personality. And I don't think, you know, just like any other personality trait, your sense of humor, your insecurities, it's not something that you can totally turn off, nor should you. Ambition in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's what pushes you to grow. It's what pushes you to do your best. However, if your ambition is coupled with hyper-competitiveness and you throw in a dash of like the single-minded focus on winning, which is a huge trait... I see with ambitious people, it can get us into trouble. Being overly ambitious can hurt your relationships. It can make you entirely focused on yourself. I was reading this great article on ESPN earlier this morning about one of my favorite basketball players. If you follow the NBA, you know all about Chris Paul. He's going to be a Hall of Fame point guard, but he's also just a super aggressive guy who's had a history of alienating his own teammates. And his desire to have to win at every Everything shows up with his family as well. He says that on days off or during the off season, he gets around the table with his wife, his children, he has a couple cousins, neighbors who come over, and they play the card game Uno, and that he 
has to win at Uno. He becomes obsessive about it to the point where other people in the family just get pissed and they're not even trying to win the game as much as they want to see him lose. And you know that's a tough dynamic in the family when you constantly have to beat your kids at a card game. But it's transferred into his career a lot of times because if you are overly ambitious and you're focused on yourself and your performance and making sure that you stand out from other people, It's not really conducive to teamwork in an office. As a boss or a leader, you're going to alienate a lot of your employees if they think that you're getting all the glory and that they're going unrecognized. So being overly ambitious and hyper competitive can lead to people stop trusting you. And in some cases, they don't want to help you anymore. And ambition is not just something that hurts outside relationships. It really sort of destroys you and eats away at you from the inside out because you start doing work every day just for the sake of hitting targets and the work actually loses its meaning. What is the number one thing we've seen in every workplace satisfaction study? What is the number one thing that makes people happy in their career? Nothing to do with pay, nothing to do with 401k benefits, flexible work schedule. It's about doing work that is truly meaningful for you. And what I see with so many of my overambitious clients is they lose sight of why they're working so hard in the first place. So even though that they're advancing up the ladder, they're never really happy with where they're at. They get the next promotion, they get to the next level, and then within weeks, they're already thinking, how do I get to another level beyond it? So it creates an inability to celebrate the small wins. It creates an inability to be in the present moment because you're always looking ahead, thinking that happiness is going to be out on the horizon, or that if you reach the next level of success, you'll be happy when that's not the case. Really, you have to be happy in order to be successful. Overambition also creates a huge comparison trap because you're always measuring yourself against where other people are. And and there's always going to be somebody out there who's making more money, who has a bigger house, who has more social media followers, who's won more awards than you. And it's just so corrosive to your well-being in the long run. So again, I'm not here to downplay ambition. I think it's great. Most of the people who listen to this podcast are highly ambitious individuals, but you have to ask yourself, what am I ambitious for? Am I really working toward a bigger cause or purpose outside of myself where I can serve people at a higher level? Is the work I'm doing allowing me to create a better life for my family? Or is this really becoming about me? Is it me trying to prove that I'm enough? You know, one of the things in that article I read about Chris Paul is he was the youngest child growing up. And even though he was like this all-state high school basketball player, he was always undersized. He was five foot six. He didn't go through a growth spurt and hit six feet tall until the end of high school. So he always had this little man complex where he felt like he was behind his younger siblings, but also less than some of the bigger kids who were on the court. And he adapted this personality to compensate for it. So that, to me, when I read the article, was the core of his ambition. But it also can create a scenario where you're just trying to to achieve for the sake of proving yourself. 
And it doesn't matter what level you get to, you're always going to come back to, I'm still not enough and I need to get more. Ambition totally played into my life in corporate America. I was such an overachiever when I worked in my radio career. I was managing a major market radio station in Cleveland when I was 23 years old. I was making six figures at 24. At 25, I bought like the swanky condo and was driving the Lexus. And yet nothing was ever enough. I was always chasing the next big job the next pay raise, the next bit of significance. And I thought that that was great. You know, I just thought, hey, I'm an achiever. But what was underneath it was a belief that I'm somehow lacking as I am. And that's been something I've had to continue to work on because trust me, you can leave a soul-sucking job and create a soul-sucking entrepreneurship where you still feel like you're not enough no matter how successful you are. So I definitely relate to this. If you're a person who is a victim of the ambition trap, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, but we just want to refocus and have a conversation. Again, why are you ambitious? Is it for a bigger purpose Or is it trying to compensate for yourself? And that's really going to dictate and help you pivot, uh, you know, toward a lane that's going to bring more lasting fulfillment. The second happiness trap, according to the Harvard Business Journal, oh, this is a big one, the should trap. So many people out there doing work they feel they should do instead of the work that they want to do. Why is this dangerous? Well, it's always going to create an inauthentic life at the end of the day. And one of the interesting things that I think ties into these first two patterns we're talking about, both with the overly ambitious and the people who are shooting all over themselves, is it ties into your attachment pattern. You know, if you go back a couple episodes to episode 62, I talked about the way that we learn to attach emotionally and psychologically to the world. It's usually developed early in childhood. We talked about avoidant patterns, which is very much at the heart of the ambitious person. You know, avoidant patterns were the ones who cried out at an early age and nobody was there to meet their needs, so they had to become very self-reliant. You know, they look out for themselves. Some people would say it's narcissism in that respect, although really it's just the fact that people with avoidant patterns don't know that they need other people because nobody's ever really been there for them, so they take care of their needs themselves. And that certainly ties in when we talk about the people who are ambitious, who are in it for their own glory. They want to stand out. They're not really embracing the rest of the team. However, when we're talking here about the should trap, This is very anxious attachment. It's fear of abandonment. We start valuing the opinion of other people. We fall into careers that will please a parent or please an old teacher or please a spouse because we're afraid if we really spoke up and allowed ourselves to be seen and pursued the work that we know we're here to do, that somebody might not approve of that. And at the end of the day, we're worried if they don't approve that they're going to abandon us. You know, so many people in the should trap are sacrificing their personality to fit into a corporation. Deloitte did this incredible study where they said 61% of people feel like they have to cover or hide part of themselves to get ahead at work. And there were some really interesting examples they gave in this study. At some companies, women don't like to talk about their children to coworkers or to management because they're afraid of some sort of motherhood penalty when a opportunity for a promotion comes up. There are 45% of men who are covering things that set them apart, such as suffering from depression or anxiety or having a child who struggles at school. They believe that they have to hide these parts of themselves because 
because they don't want to look weak or vulnerable. You know, they want to give that impression of being a killer out there in the corporate world who can be relied on. So they're really terrified, especially around male bosses. There are people hiding their sexual orientation out of fear of being judged by a boss. And there are even some minority groups that are trying to downplay their race. They cited some studies of African-American employees who avoid each other in the corporate setting so as not to be seen as part of a marginalized group. And this is just so sad to me. It breaks my heart. And I recognize that there have been times in my career when I've been scared to fully share myself in situations. Launching this podcast was such a barrier for me. I should have done this two years before I did. And there was a little part of me that was hesitant because doing this podcast meant I'd have to speak up more about my story and talk about some of my struggles. And I was concerned if I talked about my upbringing, you know, with a mom who suffered from mental illness, that my family would get upset if I shared that. I was worried that if I came clean to you guys about there being areas in my life where I'm still messy and figuring it out as I go along, that all of a sudden I wouldn't be perceived as being a viable coach and all these things that are unfounded. But it kept me hiding myself for the first couple of years of my coaching career because I thought off the bat, I had to be Tony Robbins and, you know, be this guy who's out there who had every answer. But what's interesting is the more I've been in the personal growth space and I've had a chance to meet some of the people who I consider to be idols, I realize they don't have it all together either. You know, they're, they're figuring it out. They're having a human experience like the rest of us. But here's what I would tell you. If you're a person who suffers from a case of the shoulds, you know, I'm not encouraging you to go in and break every rule at work. It's hard to survive in corporate America, even in the most inclusive environment, if you're just out to freelance your own plan at all times. But I like to have conversations with my clients about how do you consciously break the rules that are harmful to you? You know, if you're in a place where you can't open up about your family or about who you really are and what makes you tick, is that a healthy office for you to even be in? And so many people will end up job hopping and moving from company to company, expecting things to get better when they change the environment. But if you're still bringing in an internal map of the world that says, I can't be seen for who I am because that will cause pain, going to be a tough way for you to ever really be fully satisfied in your career. And here's the ultimate tragedy in this, that if you're a person who is falling victim to self-suppression, it always in every instance leads to depression. Suppressing yourself and who you are will kill your creativity. It will kill your passion and ultimately kill your happiness in the workplace. So I'm going to give you some strategies coming up in a little bit if you're a person who is stuck in the should trap. Trap number three, oh, I bet you can relate to this one no matter who you are. It's the overworking trap. Hard to get away from it in an age where, you know, we're in the 21st century workplace where so many of us are expected to be connected 24-7. I once worked with a client who was at the highest levels of his corporate career, and he had a separate uh, text alert tone for when his boss 
boss hit him up. And no matter where he was, there were times literally at Thanksgiving dinner that he would hear that text alert go off in the other room and would leave Thanksgiving dinner with his family so that he could go attend to company business in the moment, which is a really tough way to live. But if you're overworking, if you're a person who can't disconnect, you're putting your work before your family, you're putting your work before friendships, exercise, healthy eating, sleep, all the things that are really at the foundation of building an amplified life. You're not playing with or probably listening to your children. You're probably somebody who is leaving unused vacation time on the table because you literally feel guilty for using it, or you're scared that you're going to be buried under two weeks worth of work by the time that you get back from vacation, so it's easier to not use it at all. I've seen so many clients who've come to me who, if they're in the overwork trap, they don't stay at home when they're sick because they feel like they just got to go in and power through and get it done. And ultimately, all these things, it goes without saying, it's going to create a tailspin in your life because the more work you're taking on, the more stress you're going to feel. You know, there's this misperception out there that somehow if we just stay late, we're going to power through all the work and tomorrow will be easier. But doesn't it ever seem to you like no matter how late you stay, there's still another pile of projects that you got to pull through the next day. And when you're overworked, you're actually killing your productivity because when you are not focused, when you're underslept, when you're not healthy, your brain literally slows down. You have less emotional intelligence. So if you're a person who has to rely on interpersonal communication in the workplace, you're not going to be effective at it. In fact, you're probably going to be kind of a dick to people. And I'll own the fact that that totally happened to me at my last corporate job. You know, I was so worn out. I ended up getting shingles. I was on blood pressure medication. And I was snapping at coworkers in a way that I never really had in the 18 years prior in my corporate career. You also have less creativity when you're in this place of being overworked. So ultimately, you just get less done. So why do we overwork? More often than not, when I talk to clients, there are people who literally look at it as a badge of honor. You've seen this. You've had these conversations. Maybe you've been the person who said this. When people ask you how you are, you're like, oh my God, I'm so busy. Let me tell you about all the things I'm doing. Because we almost get a sense of significance out of how overworked we are. But Boston University did a study on this, and they've actually come to the conclusion that people, especially men, lie about how much they're working because they think that they'll impress their boss. There are people lying about working 80 hours a week because they think it's going to help them stand out. Meanwhile, there's other research out there that says bosses are so wrapped up in their own world, they can't tell who's working late and who isn't. Although that study does say that bosses are inclined to penalize people who are working less. And that's something that we just have to address from within our work cultures. It's why I like going in and and just being able to sit down with corporate teams and have a bigger conversation with them because there are so many employees who feel shamed for leaving work at 5 p.m. to go to their kid's soccer game or go to a basketball game. And none of that ultimately is going to make the employees happy. None of it's going to create more productivity. But a lot of those beliefs are coming from the top levels of certain organizations. So what are the other factors that contribute to this overworking trap? I believe it's often a product of our own trauma history and our 
own patterns of behavior. You know, if you're a person who overworks, there is part of you that feels like you're not enough and that you have to prove yourself. And often what I see with people who are workaholics, it's like any other addiction. You're using it as a way to escape personal troubles. You know, that overworking becomes a way to numb out and not address the elephant in the room at home. You know, when I first started my coaching business, I was in about a three-year relationship with a girl who was wonderful and we're still friends, but we clearly were not right for each other as partners. I don't think we really valued the same things. But the last year of that relationship, we were both looking for reasons to be on our laptops at night. She would be doing projects for her job. I'd be creating content or email blast or new quote cards for Instagram because you know, it was a way that we could sit next to each other on the couch, but not really go deeper in our relationship. And, you know, we just ended up delaying the inevitable by a good 12 months that year. But if you are a person who's overworking, let's get clear. What is it that you're avoiding feeling by working that hard? Because your brain's just going to rationalize and try to make sense of why you're putting in the time that you are. You will convince yourself that somehow you're alleviating stress by working that much, yet every bit of high-performance research and psychological studies fly in the face of that theory. So that is the third trap. So to go back and look at this, there are three traps that are sucking your happiness. Number one, there is the ambition trap. I can never be content with where I am. A lot of people are confusing ambition with achievement. Remember, ambition is a character trait. It's not a goal that we're striving toward. Number two is the should trap. We're doing things that we feel like we should do to please other people instead of the things that we want. And number three is the overworking trap. You know, being connected 24-7, not setting boundaries, and sacrificing our personal health, our personal relationships in the name of trying to prove ourselves in the workplace. So what do you do if you fall into one of these traps? And my guess is you might be listening going, God, Dan, I relate to all three. (laughs) That's my path. You know, I I relate to all these as well. But I want to give you some strategies today that will get you moving in the right direction. Number one, how about you just accept that you deserve happiness at work? There are so many people who come to me when they fill out a coaching application and they are lying to themselves about the fact that work doesn't need to be a primary source of fulfillment in their life. And yet every study we've seen says it's all about doing meaningful work, that that's where we get a sense of personal satisfaction, that that's where we find happiness at work. That's when we bring that happiness home to our families. So if you're happy at work, you're happier at home. You're more present and attentive as a parent. Kids who have happy parents grow up building secure attachments, and they learn that it's okay for them to pursue meaningful work in their life and that they don't have to settle. And, you know, everybody wins. When you're doing meaningful work, we have to make the mindset shift and honor the fact that it is okay for me to do work that adds meaning to my life. Second thing that you need to do is work with a qualified coach or therapist because you've got to master your inner game. Why are you ambitious? If at the root cause, it's a belief that you're not enough and that you have to prove yourself and catch up to people, you will continue to perpetuate that scenario no matter what rung of the ladder that you're on. If you're a person who values other people's opinions over your own, and if you're doing what you quote-unquote should do instead of what you want to do, you're never going to feel like you fully arrived. You are always going to feel like you're out of integrity with yourself, and you got to get clear 
on what am I afraid of? Why am I afraid that maybe somebody will disapprove or abandon me if I'm not taking the prescribed path that they want? And if you're a person who's a workaholic, if you're overworking, you know, part of the question that you want to work through with your coach is what are you trying to escape? What is it that you're trying to avoid by being in the office that late every night. Number three, the third step that'll help you move forward is to get clear on your purpose. We are wired to seek meaning in every single activity that we do in and out of the office. So for you, you got to get clear on on what is it that really drives me, you know, because these things go hand in hand. If you're a person who's valued everybody else's opinion than your own, then you don't even really know who you are or what the emotions are you want to cultivate each day. So finding a coach, you know, this is really what my coaching program, I think, is the best on the market for. You know, in the first few sessions, you're going to get clear on the emotions that drive you. You're going to have have a purpose statement, then we can do the work to start cultivating how do you bring that to life out in the real world and how do you get paid to do it so that you're making meaningful income to go with meaningful work. So those are my three action steps for you. Number one, just accepting that you deserve to be happy in the workplace. Uh, Number two, doing your inner work, getting to the core of the mindset because underneath every one of these patterns, there is some sort of belief that you need to shift in order to change your life. And number three, find a coach or mentor who's going to help you get clear on your purpose. Hey, if you think I can be that guy for you, I'm getting ready to launch an amazing program that's going to be a total game changer. I'm going to be mentoring a very small group of individuals to help them, to give you a structure and implementation system and a community that's going to support you during this next transition for your life and career amplified. Going to be talking more about that in the coming weeks, but you can reach out to me for info through my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. If you're loving what I've shared this week, if this resonates with you or somebody you love, could you please just share this podcast with a friend? That would mean the world to me. And don't forget, uh, I would love for you to screenshot this, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Make sure you tag me so I can thank you for listening. At CSC Dan Mason is where you find me. Also, just follow me on Instagram because I've really been using that uh, IGTV function to do some little two-minute coaching sessions for you a few times a week. People really seem to be enjoying that, so feel free to give me a follow. And uh, you can always leave those reviews for us up on Apple Podcast and give us a follow if you're listening on the iHeartRadio app. As always, it is my honor and privilege to serve you. Get out there. Take action on this. Don't just let this be something that you think about, that you have an aha moment, but you never actually implement. And of course, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.